0: I end up taking some space here in New Jersey. So I take a floor of a a business office, a big colonial home in Montclair, and it's owned by an ad agency. And I take a floor of that space. I rent the floor to put my business in. Mm-hmm. And this is the point where I I realize, you know, I, I need to hire people. I'm growing and I, you know, I'm moving things forward. I need to hire at least a right hand person to help operate things. Sure. And this was also. At the point where I'm realizing that, you know, there are things that I'm just not good at, you know, whether it's bookkeeping or whether it's, uh, you know, just certain administrative things. It's not how my brain is wired. Yeah. And I should probably have someone help out in those things so I can focus on the stuff that I'm good at. And that would be, you know, selling or building the business, you know, kind of business development, but also obviously producing and the technical stuff. Uh huh. Yeah. This is really the period where I start hiring people and start becoming an employer, which, you know, really marks the second half of my last 20 years. Uh huh. Some of the best and most quality people I've ever met in my life. You know, I was fortunate enough to meet and hire them as team members and bring them on board and help train them and, and give them their starts, you know, in their careers. Mm-hmm. So, First things first, you know, so I have this little office, right. Got a floor over here in, in New Jersey and, you know, the universe operates in weird ways. There's a knock on the door. This is right around 2008 now. And what do we all know happens around 2008? Like the great recession happens and, you know, Bear Stearns and Lehman brothers collapse. And yeah, there's a knock on the door. And it's a guy I know from the business and he's going under, he's way over leveraged. Uh-huh. He looks horrible. The business has been going down the tubes. He was mainly rooted in the DVD business. You know, put all of his rocks in that bucket, and it was going away. Sure. And here I was operating this small shop, and he said, "Look, I've got to hand his client over to you because I'm going under." Yep. And I said, "All right, how can I help?" And it was PBS. Nice. It was a you know production company from public broadcasting, and at that time you know, an entity like PBS, they were not technologically cutting edge, right? They didn't have a robust web presence and they were still really operating in analog tape format. Uh I mean, you know, this is going on 2010 almost, and obviously broadcast television was moving to all digital. They had been in a digital tape format for a while, but eventually it would go tapeless. But PBS was still operating with analog tapes. Right. Okay. So I said, well, how can I help? And he said, look, they need tape copying. And so can I do the tape dubbing for them? I said, sure. So met the client. They said, all right, no problem. And started making tape copies. Okay. Yeah. So if you fast forward that over the next decade, we build that relationship from copying tapes all the way to, Doing essentially everything for that production company turns into almost 200 episodes of half hour PBS a year. We're shooting it, we're editing all of it, we're doing all of the conversion and dubbing, the transcription, the closed captioning, and we end up building their new website and running their website. Sure. So that's an enormous amount of work. And I'm saying it's sort of in passing, but mm. over that 10 years, we built that relationship to being the cornerstone piece of that production company for PBS. And, you know, we got to work with a ton of people.
1: But you also, you have your core, you know, competencies. Yeah. And in order to do what you did with PBS, You have to, you really, as you said, diversify. Yeah. I might ask you, how did you build those new competencies and new capabilities in your business to be able not only to do what you did for PBS, how did you build that all out in order to be able to do that and be successful at it? Yeah. What did it take to do all that?
0: Well, let's define it first. Sure. It starts with me and I'm starting to hire people and that turns into an administrator, you know, that turns into hiring an editor. Uh-huh. The great Dave Amorata. Yep. Just fabulous guy. Sure. And eventually I hire Caleb Galka, you know, now Steinmetz. Uh-huh. And she comes on as an intern. And then, you know, I sort of see like, wait a second, you know, her set of skills are exactly what I'm missing. Uh-huh. So the staff starts growing, right? So part of the answering your question there, it's about human capital, right? It's about investment in the human skills that these people have. Yep. And sure, everybody's a puzzle piece. You know, when I hire people and I do interviews, I talk about this, you know, everyone has strengths and weaknesses. And so it's about leveraging for success, the strengths of people, finding that puzzle piece. Okay, Kayla was... On her first day, right out of college with me, you know, like, come on in, you're an intern, you're hired on her first day. She was better at organizing our production office, including budget and all of that sort of communications and organization. She was better at that on day one than I was having been doing it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so there's a really good example of she had that strength, right? Uh Uh-huh. And I had to identify the weakness as well. Wow. That's really what I've spent the last 20 plus years doing is finding where the strengths and weaknesses are in my business and in myself. Right. That's what this path is. So I grow this operation. We take over two floors at this business and I'm, I'm growing more work. And so we start doing some editing. We're still working on other projects. We do DVDs for the band Fish. We have a billboard number one. Uh, We end up working with Keith Urban, Randy Jackson. We go to LA to work with Randy. You know, we're Nashville with Keith Urban. That's cool. So then we are outgrowing our studio here in Montclair. I go to my landlord. I said, look, you know, we're having more success and we're growing. You know, we might need more room. What do you think? And he says, well, just give me notice when you leave. (laughs) So, I move to the neighboring town, take over space in this industrial complex. And, you know, we get triple the space for half the rent I'm paying in in Montclair, New Jersey. So, nice, great deal. And we have this big floor of post production suites. And, you know, we hire a full time audio engineer and we have an in house transcription team. Mm -hmm. And we start building the staff and building the facility. And this just breeds bringing on more services and offering and providing value-added bundled services to clients. I get it. You know, that we can provide. We're not really taking risks. We're only doing things that we can do uh-huh. and that I feel comfortable taking on. I want to circle
1: back with you and throw a quote to you. Okay. You caused me to remember a quote from Steve Jobs. hmm And it seems to be appropriate in describing your leadership style and your human capital management style, which is Steve Jobs used to say, I don't hire people so I can tell them what to do. I hire people so they can tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. It appears to me that you've hired really high quality people that were able to tell you where you needed to go in your business. Or was it somewhat
0: of a combination? You know this goes back to, to my history of training and nurturing talent, you know, and when I would meet with college students for internships, I would never read their resumes. Uh I would have a conversation with them. I I want to know who they are. Right. And, and find out, you know, how, how I can perceive their, their fit in the team, in the band of, of players. Right. Uh That's always how I would be looking at the the human that is in front of me to be part of, of the team. So my interpretation of the jobs quote is, you know, look, he operated at a high level, right. And that combination of, of vision, but also just fanatic willpower, right. You know, and people talk about the reality distortion, right. That he would just will things to be because he demanded them. Yeah. There's the great book, The E-Myth, and talks about working on your business, not in your business. And any solopreneur that becomes a business manager and owner, that's that's a transition that you have to make. And that's a lesson that I've had to learn. And I think the kiss of death of so many small businesses is micromanagement. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. it's not even the kiss of death of the business, but it's the kiss of death of the business owner, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Because you can literally drive yourself into the ground by micromanaging. Sure. So I've learned tons from the people that I've hired and that have worked with me. But you'd say I admitted, guess my...
1: Right. Admittedly, you say, though, I know where my weaknesses are. I learned where my weaknesses are. So when you're hiring people, you're hiring people to complement yeah. your weaknesses and augment your strengths. Yeah. That's personal management 101, particularly when you're the CEO of the organization. Yeah. When you hire folks, it sounded to me like you're hiring them because they really know their stuff. You see their strengths, and then their strengths, you know, um, really bring excellence to your to your business.
0: It it depends. I mean, I think every every Hire or every position is a little different. Uh, Again, you know, in in going through the hiring process with with staff members, I would often say, you know, I'm hiring a person. I'm not hiring for a position. Right. Uh This is what we're talking about. Is it a video editor? Okay. What do I need done? I need video editing done. Uh But in the process, it's really about the person, and it's not about can you do these things. I need the hire. I need the staff person to do those things. But the real decision point is about who they are. Yeah. And you know, a good example is Dave Amorato, right? Uh-huh. So he comes right out of college. He has a, a media, like kind of digital media degree, and he just knocked on my door. He just called up and said, "Hey, I'm out of college. I'm looking for a job." And I said, "Well, you know, I'll I'll interview you. Come on in." Uh-huh. What was so intriguing about Dave? What really Locked me in on him as a person was he had a deep music background. He was a singer. Mm -hmm. And our conversation, you know, for the hiring process was probably at least half about music, it was just talking about that. Wow. And for me, I realized I could train him, right? I could train him. He has some background. We share so much in common with the music world. I know how he thinks. So I'm way down the road already, right? And so I know I could train him, and I did immediately, and he started working on these projects. Well, guess what? A decade later, he is literally running all of post-production, along with Kayla Steinmetz, right? Running all of the post-production in my shop, being lead editor responsible for nearly 200 PBS episodes a year. Yeah. That we got to deliver for PBS, it has to be right. There's no messing that up. And we did that for years Uh and that's Dave. So you can look at that success and say, well, this is what we needed him to do, right? Be an editor, be perfect and all of that and deliver this quality product at a high volume and keep the client happy by answering emails in a nice way, which Dave did. Sure. It was really about who he was, right? And the fit that I felt he could be. And back to your question from before, well, did I, did I see myself? Was that the goal of what I was doing? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to be doing 200 PBS episodes a year. Damn it. Like, no, right. That wasn't the goal, but that was the journey. Right. And, and we got there by putting the band together. Yeah. So those roles and how all of that stuff interplays, that's the blood and the heartbeat of the business. For these last, at least the last decade, you know, my story, the last decade.
1: I really appreciate your, your view of human capital. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people in human resources say, where's the human in human resources? Yeah. And in terms of your hiring philosophy, you're looking for good people. You're looking for smart people. You're looking for people that you feel a community of interest with you are looking for and we're looking for good people. And you knew that roles may change and that the business may change. But if you have people that are high quality individuals that have a lot of intelligence and have a lot of skills, those skills that now have become of real high value in the business world, which were probably in the day you were doing that hiring were not the skills that were so highly valued by other employers. Most people during that period of time were hiring people based on performance-based measures, task descriptions, can you do this? As long as you can do this, I'm good with you. And that person becomes expedient When the business changes, but you were not looking for that type of expediency. You were looking to build relationships with your employees. Whereas when the business grew and the business morphed, Mm -hmm. those employees you knew had the flexibility to stay with the business. You cared about them and they cared about the business. You had great relationships with them. And that's how you were successful in building a business. Tell me I'm wrong.
0: No, you're exactly correct. I have never, ever, ever as a business owner and as a manager, I've never counted or tracked a single vacation day or personal day ever. I've always said to my employees, my, my staff, you know, you need a day, take it, just communicate. We'll work it out that's always been how I've worked with staff members. And sometimes people would ask me about, Oh, well, you know, as an employer, don't you hate firing people? And I actually have the opinion. I love firing people because if I have to fire somebody, that means that they are not operating as part of the team, you know, and I don't mean businesses down and I'm laying somebody off. I'm saying, you know, for cause for not being on board, you know, and, and I've done it, I've done it. And I, I don't regret it. One of the first full-time employees I ever had, wonderful guy and worked really closely. And it was very apparent that he was reaching the roof of his skills and his contribution You know, with what we were doing. We were growing and we needed more from the role that he was in. And I had to let him go. And that's unfortunate. And I I wasn't going to keep him on if he wasn't able to continue in the role as we needed. And guess what? Sometimes you can morph the role to keep a good person, but he was getting upset. He was having bad days and he was having kind of an attitude problem. And I I had to let him go. And I don't regret it. It had to happen, right? We had to move on. And so the replacement for that person was Kayla and she was wonderful. And it's time for her to move on. Now she has to step out into bigger and better things in her own career. And, you know, she's married, you know, maybe she'll start a family, whatever, you know, but that's okay. Same with Dave. Dave has moved on now. He works for Disney, right? Mm -hmm. So that's all great. That that's all cool. And my goal is to try to operate with integrity and be a person that my team can trust And I could mention Andrew and Steve and all these other people that have worked for me. I would trust my family's life with these people, right? And that is where my perspective is.
1: That's, it's such an important point you're making because when you build a company that's built on trust internally, that same trust also is conveyed to the client. They see that in the business. They see that this, say the trust emanates, the trust flows, and that trust flows to your clients and back to you through your clients. Building trust is the foundation of building good relationships. If you build trust within your organization, you're able to foster trust externally with your
0: clients. Well, we've seen both sides. You know, I mean, look, we're really just talking about the framing of this, you know, the framing of what I do in the world as a producer, and I'm just doing what I do in the world. And I'm kind of reaching this milestone of 20 years. Uh-huh. I, I sort of feel okay, well, I, I have a company, I've had a company, I've built a company, I've had staff, it's been big, it's been small, we've won awards. Yeah, I'm still just kind of on the journey, right? I'm just kind of doing what I do. And and there's new stuff to come, you know, and there's new ideas and, you know, new challenges.
1: It's interesting that after 20 years, you're starting to get a bit existential about <laughs> the work you've done. Uh, but you say, I just do what I do. Yeah. But I think it's a lot more than that, Brian. I mm. think it's that you do what you love to do. Yeah. And you have been doing what you love to do you're being Brian Brodeur <laughs> and whatever that is in your mind at that time in your life that makes you tick is really what's driving your business. Yeah. And I think that's common with a lot of quote solopreneurs mm. that really care about their business. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to the East Main Podcast. This is Brian Brodeur. Please don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends and leave us a good rating. We'd really appreciate it. If you want to drop us a line, you can, of course, visit our website, eastmainmedia.com, and follow us on social media at East Main Media. And as always, please stay safe and healthy. Thanks for listening.